Glory to God. This evening I want to speak to you about the royal decree. The royal decree. How many of y'all know that we've been looking at and we've been talking about how that Jesus Christ, what Jesus did, was to come back to the earth to establish the lost dominion that man had been given. You need to understand this. We need to get a hold of this. This will absolutely be a, a dramatic paradigm shift in your understanding of the Word. And, and, the, and it will, if you get a hold of this, it will forever change how you read the Word of God. That Jesus Christ came back to redeem mankind. And we've talked about redemption being restoring to its original place. Well, the original intention was man to have dominion upon the earth. God's original intention was not to create the earth, place man on it, man grow old and die, and then come to heaven to be with him forever. That was not God's original intention. And so we understand this, that, if we're taught that the whole story of the Bible is about a king, and it's about the restoration of a kingdom, God being the king of the universe, and God's not the least bit interested in religion. Isn't it funny that they say there's two subjects that, are, that aren't uh, polite to be discussed in, in public discussions, religion and politics? I told people before, my bachelor's degree is in, uh, is in political science, and I've got a, a diploma from a Bible school. I guess I'm a walking argument, right? Amen. But you understand why? Why? Because I've said this before. Religion and politics, or religion and government, really sometimes you know it. It, it may not be completely accurate to say they're two sides of the same coin, because you understand the intention of both, the intention of religion and the intention of politics or government, if you will, is to set a moral code and to set, and to set parameters in which pe that, that, that limits and sets boundaries on people's behavior. In other words, the, in, let's, put, let's make it this simple. The, the intention of both religion and politics is to influence people's behavior. Both of them. You don't, you don't believe that? It's the truth. Religion, you know, religion uses, the, the, you know, incorporates... Uh, a deity and say a god, you know, a god of some kind, saying this is the will of this god, and you must do it. And, and so you understand this that that all religions are man-made. I've said this before, and it's real controversial. A lot of people would probably want to say, "Well, you're you're a heretic. You're the, you're some kind of cult." Jesus did not come to found Christianity. Christianity is a religion that man made around what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus didn't come to make Christians. Jesus came to establish the church, and the church was not a religious term. It was a government term. Okay? And you understand this? That government, government is the attempts of man, a secularized attempt of man. It's, in other words, it's trying to do the same thing as religion with the absence of any deity mentioned, any, uh, any deity in, in mention, in mentioned to it, and they're trying to influence your behavior. You don't believe that? Just wait a few years till this uh, health care reform stuff's kicked in. See if they're not trying to influence how you get your health care. Government wants to tell you what you can say, what you can do. Where you know you better go ahead and speak up and use your freedom of speech while you still got it in this country. But government, and and you understand this, every law that's passed is an infringement upon freedom. This is that's just a little bit of political th theory. That's just a little little uh, secular. Uh, political science nugget for you. Every law that government passes is an infringement on some liberty that people have. So what's that mean, Pastor? It means the more laws the government passes, the less liberty you have, less freedom you have, because they're chiseling away at it. Amen? 
All right, let's talk the Word, right? But you understand that we've come into the kingdom and it's so important that as we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have to purge our minds of, of some stuff that we've held dear in Western political tradition and that we've held dear as Americans. And you understand this, that the freedom of speech... I don't believe for one minute that the founding fathers of this country, that their original intention of freedom of speech was for someone to be able to spew off profanity in any public setting that they want to. You know, there's people out there that are that crazy. They think, we got free speech. I can shout and use profanity and vulgar, smutty language out in public. That's not what they intended. Is that really what they intended? You know, there's some people, you know, you listen to, to talk radio and some people say, well, that's what's so great about America. We got the right to disagree. Really, that's what freedom of speech is, is to be disagreeable and to be nasty and call each other names and badmouth people. Is that really what the original intention of, in our founders was? Is that what they think? No, they, really the freedom of speech was, was freedom of political speech. In other words, you couldn't just shut somebody down because politically they dis, disagreed with you. That's really, if you study, you study that out and you'll find out that in its context that's what they meant by freedom of speech. It was that you couldn't just silence a minority party. But you understand this. There are some things that we hold dear in our American tradition because you, because you understand this. And don't think that pastor's trash in America. Pastor loves America. America's a great country. We have great fruits. And the reason America was great was because of the influence that the gospel had on the founding of the country. But you, you understand this is that America was birthed out of rebellion against the kingdom. You know, you know your history. We we were birthed out of rebellion, and it's so funny. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> the the grievances that our founding fathers filed against the the crown of England, and said that they were intolerable grievances. We gladly endure a hundredfold of the grievances that they went to war about. Now, but you understand that that in the Western democracy, and in America particularly, we think we got the right to free speech. I say what I want to. I say what I want to, where I want to, when I want to. By God, I'm an American. I, you can't tell me shut up. I'm going to say what I want to. I got, I got to speak my piece. I can call Rush Limbaugh, and I can get my, I can speak my mind. I can call Glenn Beck, and I can get my mind. Yeah, I can call Sean Handy. I got a right to say my opinion. Well, how many of y'all know that that ain't so in the kingdom? And that's just something that we, if we're, if we're going to begin to change our mindset, as you need to understand this, you're a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. If we're born again, we've came out of the kingdom of darkness. We are in the kingdom of light. We're in the kingdom of the sun. We are in the kingdom of heaven. And you need to understand this. And, and you understand that the early church, when it was persecuted by Rome, the, the superpower of the day, it was because the church, they had a revelation and the, and the words they were speaking, you understand, church, the ecclesia, it was the called out ones. That when they said that Jesus was Lord and that Jesus was King, the Roman government considered that a threat to them because really what the church was, early church was saying was, my citizenship is beyond the citizenship of Rome. You know, Dr. Monroe, he says this, he says, I'm a citizen of heaven who happens to live in the Bahamas. Glory to God, suffering for Jesus down there in the Bahamas, right? 
you understand this, that you, our proper perspective needs to be, and you know, some people, you know, I don't have a problem pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to the point that it doesn't contradict what the word of my king says. I'll give you my, I'll give you my, uh, I will give you my allegiance to you to the point that what the United States of America wants doesn't transgress the law of the king. Because you understand, I'm a citizen, uh, I'm a citizen of the United States of America by chance that I was born, you know, I wasn't even born in the United States. I was born in, uh, on a military base in Frankfurt, Germany. Could have claimed dual citizenship if I wanted to up to a certain age. I don't know, I think it's done past. But I was a citizen of this country because I was born on an American military base in a foreign country. I had no choice about that. I'm a citizen of heaven and the kingdom of heaven because I made the choice that my allegiance was going to be pledged to Jesus Christ. Is my, he is my king and he is my Lord. And we've said this before that king means he has the right to rule and make the rules and the laws. And Lord denotes ownership. He owns you. Jesus, you, we need to understand that. You are not your own. And this, you know, we, we were talking, we, we read, I read an article this week, that, or last week, that was talking about, you know, George Barna did it, that was talking about it divided Christians into two types of groups. One was what was considered a captive Christian, and that was ones whose faith was, was essential to their life. All their decisions they made in their life, they based it on what their faith was. You know what the Bible said, and that they were they were very. I mean, some people might just go ahead and just go ahead and say that we're zealots, because the word zealot has, ta- has taken on a negative connotation. But in other words, a captive Christian is someone that has sold out Jesus as Lord. All the decisions they make in their life is based on their understanding of what their of what their faith is. And to me, I just say that that's really what a believer is, really. And then he had this other group that was casual Christians, what he called casual Christians, that made up. Two, two out of every three people in this country fell into that category. Two out of three, every three people. Sixty-six percent, right? Is that right? Huh? And so, but these people, and really you take a look at this group of people, it consists of carnal Christians, people who are really born again but not living any different than the world, and then some of them were people that were just church members. How many of you all know hell going to be full of church members? They're gonna be a whole lot of they're gonna be a whole lot of people gonna have their little gold stars on their lapel for attendance in hell. Because just going to church and having your name on a church book does not mean you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But you, you understand this is that these people that were considered casual Christians they had a a you know a, you know a take it or leave it kind of attitude about their faith you know and they went to church. And when the word was taught, you know, they had a take it or leave it kind of attitude, like it was like it was an a la carte kind of thing. Well, I'll have some of that and I'll have some of that, but I'm going to pass on that because I don't like that. And, and and you understand, that's not what the gospel of the kingdom is. And we and that's and that's crept into the church to the point we don't realize you if you are in the kingdom, you understand the king owns everything in the kingdom. Okay. And so, and, and so, getting back to what we're talking about this evening, the royal decree, that the, the royal decree, the king in the kingdom, you understand this, the, the, you know, it says, says the, the word of the king's law. Let's, you know, we, we've read this scripture before, Ecclesiastes 8, 4, says, where the, word of, where the word of the king is, there's power. 
where the word of the king is, there's power. That when the king speaks, what the king says is law. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says, the king has spoken. And we understand this, that when the king speaks, the king is bound by his own word. Amen. You know, we'll read this to you. Turn to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. And we want to start with verse 16. And you, and just to give you the context of the story, this is where uh, uh, the king, uh, King uh, Balak, uh, is one of the kings in the uh, in the land of uh, the region of Palestine, where the where the Jews are coming in. That one of the kings in the land of Canaan, they're going in to take possession of it, and he's afraid. You know, my kingdom's going to be taken over him, and so he tries to get Balaam. He tries to get this prophet Balaam to come and speak a curse over the children. He said, "Come and come and curse them for me." Curse him for me so that I'll be able to... And so, it says, verse 16 says, Then the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he came to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering. And the princes of Moab were with him and Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should repent. Has he said that he will not do, or has he spoken and he will not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Amen. What God has pronounced blessing upon, no man can undo it. And the part of this verse I want you to concentrate on is there in verse 19 where it says, God is not a man that he should lie. God is making a very distinct, you understand this, that the king is making a very distinct distinction. You know, he's making a distinction between him and men. Because men can say something and lie. But you understand, God, because of his integrity, because of his character, because God is a righteous God, because God has to live by his own commandments, God is saying, I'm not a man that I should lie. When I say something, it's going to, it, it's, it, my, you know, my word is law. It's, it's going to come to pass. And you understand this, is that he's not a man that he should lie. And so when the king makes a royal decree, there's no changing it. Not even by the king. Not even by the king. Okay? Turn with me real quick, if you would. Let's turn to, um, turn to Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to give you some examples. Now, I've mentioned these a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to take a look at them. God's not a man that he should... God is not, Remember this. Man, God is not a man that he should lie. And so if we see examples of earthly kings who are bound by their word, how much more do we think that God is bound by His? Amen? Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read... First nine verses here to you. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps and to be, over the whole, uh, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. 
Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because he had an excellent spirit, an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave, uh, gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. You understand this? Just make it real clear to you. It's dirty politics. Guess what? It's no, it should not take any... Political corruption should not surprise anybody. If anybody is surprised by political corruption, they are naive to the point of, of it being ridiculous. Okay, politicians are going to be corrupt. But you notice this, and this is kind of going back to talking about what George Barna said. Could we say that Daniel was a, was a captive believer? He wasn't a casual believer because these politicians that were plotting against him knew the only thing they were going to find that they could bring an accusation against Daniel was concerning his God. And you understand this, what I said about allegiance to the American flag, Daniel didn't have a problem pledging his allegiance and, and pledging his faithfulness to the kingdom and the king that he was serving to the point it didn't transgress the laws of God. The word of my, the word of my king trumps the laws of your land. So they knew this was how they were going to have to trick him. Says, so the governors and satraps uh, thronged before the king and said to him, thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Bunch of brown nosers. Amen. Getting some brownie points. Oh, king, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and, and satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now here's the first problem. Kingdom, kingdom government, and democracy don't mix. It's a disaster every time it does, right? Here's this guy, he's a kingdom. What do they say? Well, we come together, we got with those 120 satraps and us two gov- you know, us, go- us governors have got together and, you know, king, we, we've took a vote and we think it's a good idea that you need to pass this law. You see that? Democracy and kingdom being mixed together. Amen. And, the, and, the, and so they said, you know, that anyone that makes any petition to anybody, O king, shall be cast into the den of lines. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. And you understand this, that it's talking about that the Medes and the Persians, you understand that the king, the king had a, was bound by the law. The law was established. And you understand it was probably, it was more than like the tradition of, of pre-established laws by previous kings. So there was the tradition that when the king made a decree, it was law. It could not be reversed. And so if you're familiar with the story of Daniel and the lions, then King Darius, you know, you might have missed this in your little Sunday school class when he was a kid growing up, but King Darius was favorably predisposed toward Daniel. It tells us that in the story. Daniel was faithful. He had an excellent spirit. He was an, an able administrator. The king was not going to suffer any loss. As a matter of fact, the king was going to prosper if Daniel was overlooking his stuff. And so the king, didn't he didn't have a beef with Daniel. He, he, he wasn't mad at him. But you see here that the king, he got, tri- he got tricked by political manipulation and he signed a law. And you, and you, know, the, you know the Paul Harvey, the rest of the story on this, is that Daniel, 
as his tradition was, he went out, opened his windows, faced Jerusalem and prayed. And they went and they took him under arrest. And they said, oh, you've violated the word of the king. You've violated the law. So when they brought him to the king, don't you think that the king who liked Daniel really would have liked to cut him some slack? Don't you think that King Darius, when he saw, oh, I've been played. I've been played. These guys played me. As soon, as soon as they brought Daniel in, he knew what was going on. These bunch of jealous guys, they've played me and they got me. Don't you think that Darius wanted to say, you know what, y'all are a bunch of losers and you just manipulated me and you've got Daniel framed just to get him in trouble because you're jealous and you want him out of the picture for your own political increase. Don't you think he realized that? But get this, he couldn't change it. Because there was law that the, that the word of the king, what the king said was law and there was no going back against it. So here we have a precedent in the Bible that's given us an example of when the when a king said his word, it couldn't be it couldn't be gone back on. Okay, turn with me real quick, if you will, to Matthew. We're going to take another look at uh, another example, another witness in the word. Matthew chapter fourteen. John the Baptist has been thrown in prison by Herod, and you understand this, John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist wasn't afraid to dodge controversial social issues. Church better get some backbone, hadn't we? We've been mealy-mouthed, panty-wasting around to the point to where the church won't speak up and say anything. And let's just be honest, this country's moral slide into depravity started when preachers started keeping their mouths shut about stuff that the, that the word of the king, that the royal decree said was ungodly. And I've said this before, as the pulpit goes, so goes the country. And when preachers start getting soft on decreeing, this is what the king says, then the country starts, so we started seeing stuff. But John the Baptist, you know, he was, uh, he could, you know, he could have kept his mouth shut about this whole Herod having his, uh, his brother Philip's wife business. You, just keep your mouth shut, John. You know, separate his whole, John, don't you know anything about this whole separation of church and state stuff? Keep your mouth shut, John. Don't be talking about the politicians. Just do your little preaching thing. Pass your little offering plate around. You know, just go ahead and be dunking those people out there in that creek. But keep your mouth shut about politics. We've got this separation of church. John didn't, John didn't know anything about separation of church and state. And when he saw leaders... You know, what's the Bible say? When the, when the righteous are in rule, the city rejoices... John the Baptist, he's saying, he's saying, wait a minute, Herod, it's not lawful for you. Isn't that what, is that what the Word says? Let, let's, let's just read it. Here, chapter 14 says, That time Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead, and therefore these powers aren't working him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John said to him, You're not supposed to do that, king. What did he say? He said, it's not lawful. It is not lawful for you to have her. Why? Because the word of the king was you weren't supposed to do that. Word, the word of the king was you, know, you don't be having your brother's wife. You don't, be, you don't be doing that. And John told him, he said, it's not lawful for you to do it. And just because of that, because the preacher had the audacity to speak out about what the government was doing, they got John, they stuck him in prison. Okay? And you understand this is that John was a very popular figure. He was very pop, you know. 
You got, you know, how many preachers today got thousands of people coming out to be baptized in single meetings? John was a very popular figure in his day. It says, it says, although he wanted to put him to death, verse 5, although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitudes because they counted him a prophet. You know, he's, Herod was reluctant to just take John out and execute him because he thought, man, if I take him out and execute him, it might cause a popular uprising. And I might get beheaded. Amen? So it says, but when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Okay? Are we seeing some similarities in the story? Is that King Darius was sorry that he had put that law out there and Daniel got caught. He was sorry. And he wanted to change his mind. He wanted to go... If he, if he could have... He'd have wanted to went back on his word and changed what he said. Right? It says... Um, it says, verse 9, And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him... He commanded it to be given her, so he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then the disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, the reason I'm telling you these stories is, understand this, here are two examples in the Word that the Word of the King was, in, was unalterable. And you understand, that's God's intention. Okay, so... And we know that plenty of kings have, have made their words and went back on it. But God's original plan is the word of the king is law. And so what we're going back to is looking at there in Numbers 23, 19, where it says God's not a man that he should lie. So in other words, the king, our king, when he says something and he decrees it, God is bound by his own word. It will be performed. Amen? And so, this, and this is very important for for us to understand because what does faith come by? Hearing what? The word. Well, what word is it? Any word? No, it's the word of the king. And so, this is you understand this that one of the pillars that your faith, uh, one of the pillars that faith is built on, one is the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I'll teach on this someday. There's a couple other pillars that go with one of them is the, the character of the person given their word. Amen? You might say, well, Pastor, I always just thought faith come by hearing, hearing by the word. That statement's made in the context that it's the word of God. You understand that for you can have faith, trust, belief in someone's word. Someone's, you ever heard this saying, They're, you're only as good as your word? You could say your word's only as good as you are. Your word's only as good as you are. And so you understand that the word of the king, God's not a man that he should lie, and that's a statement affirming the integrity and the character of God. God's saying, you know what, some man might tell you something, some earthly king may tell you something, some politician may promise you hope and change, and it'll all just be a big bunch of malarkey just to get the goofy people to vote them in and then they don't give a rip about you again until four years later and they're going to try to, to sell you on hope and change again or whatever the slogan is. And I'm not just, I'm not cracking on our president, it's just that's the most current one that we've got, okay? You understand that? God's saying, I'm not a man that I should lie. My, God's saying, I am a person of integrity. 
And when I say something, it's going to come to pass. Amen? So let's just take a look at it real quick. You know, the importance of the Word. You understand there in Genesis chapter 1 when it's talking about the earth being created. And you read that whole account, Genesis 1, uh, you know, verses uh, 1 through 29, when it's recounting creation, you realize God could have created the world any way He wanted to. God could have just went, ooh, like an old Jedi mind trick. Waved His hand and poof, the whole thing could have come into existence. You understand, God could have just uh, waved His hands and made a big bunch of matter over here and a big bunch of antimatter over here and slapped it all together and just let everything bend a big bang and just let it all precipitate out. You understand, God could, He could have chose any way to created the earth, right? God could have grabbed a big handful of dirt and molded it into a ball and sprinkled fairy dust on it if He wanted to, if He knew where to get fairy dust. Amen. But my point is, how did God create the world? He spoke. He spoke the. He spoke His word. He said, "You know, light be." It says in the, you know, it says that God said, "You know, let there be light." The literal translation of it just says, "Light be." God don't mince words. Light be. Boom! There it was, and the universe is still expanding at the, at the speed of light. Still, still expanding on the on the word of the King that was spoken thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Light be, and it's still it's still obedient to him. Why? Because where the word of the king is, there's power, and he's not a man that he should lie. You understand this? Uh, God's word, God's word produces what he sends it out to do. I'm gonna give you this little caveat when it's mixed in faith, and and we'll back this up for you. Isaiah 55, 10 verses 10 and 11 says. For as the rain cometh down and snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it to bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. We need to get a hold of that. There's, there's a little revelation there. It's a, he says, as, just like the rain and the snow comes down and it causes the earth to, to bud and bring forth seed to the sower and bread to the eater, he says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. Do you realize that what God said, that really what God said right here, is just like rain produces fruit, it produces seed and bread to eat on the, on the earth, my word will do that. But here, this is what I want you to see is, so my word, uh, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, and that word void means empty or fruitless or uh, non-productive, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. When God makes a decree, when the king makes a royal decree, it shall come to pass. Now this is a powerful statement because you understand the preacher's got to live by this just like the congregation does. Because before I, before I am pastor, I am a believer. I'm a son of God. The same rules apply to me that apply to everyone. So, because this is powerful because this is, because this is what is inevitably going to happen. People are going to say, oh, but you know, the, you'll, have you ever been exhorting somebody on the Word? You get a revelation of something in the Word. Man, God's the healer. Word says He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord God that heals. Word says by His stripes we were healed. The Word says He sent His Word and healed them. Jesus came and He preached the gospel of the kingdom and He laid and He ministered healing and healed all types of various types of diseases and sicknesses. And someone go, and so and 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 the Word say by His stripes you were healed. By uh, Jesus say 
These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so you understand, that's the word of the king. And so, but you start sharing that with someone and go, oh yeah, but I know someone who got hands laid on them. They can get it. They can get healed. Oh, what about you? You got, you got hands laid on you for something, didn't you? You ain't healed yet, are you? You still got that, don't you? And you understand this, and please know what Pastor this is not condemnation. This is what I'm getting ready to tell you. I'm giving you this little waiver before I go into this any further. Is this, this, this is not an indictment against anyone that has, had, that has had hands laid on them for anything and still struggling with symptoms. It is not. Don't think that the pastor said, well, pastor's saying I ain't got no faith. You know what? I've said this before. Please hear me. Please listen to this carefully. If you don't have faith for something, then it means I need to teach you more. Now, there is something where you, where you decide, do you reject that as truth or do you accept it as truth? But one of the things they told us when I was in Bible school was is that when you're teaching people something and they're not walking in it, then you need to ask yourself as a pastor, I need to teach more on that. Because faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. And if you've heard for 40 years that Jesus don't heal, God don't heal no more, that's done away with, you've heard that for 40, 50 years, had it drove into you, then guess what? It might take more than just hearing it for, uh, hearing it been taught for, you know, hearing it taught six, seven times a year for a couple of years. It's, it, might, it might take more than 12 little sermons on healing to get that faith, get that, get your faith for that particular area built up. So let's just let's. I just want to put that on the table. But you understand when we do that, when p- people will try to make their own the- create their own theology based on their experience. Say, so, oh, I know the word says this, but I know the Bible says that, but and boy, and they'll get real, they'll get real sophisticated about it. Oh, they'll go, they'll go to some cemetery, some spiritual cemetery. Oh, I guess the word's seminary, right? I get that mixed up sometimes. Cemetery, seminary, a lot of similarities. A lot of, a lot of dead stuff there. But they'll even go to their seminaries and get their big post hole digger degrees, their PhDs, post hole diggers. Amen? Get their post hole digger in theology. And, and they'll be able to explain to you how, yes, you know, that was in God's Word, but that was in that dispensation, and that doesn't apply to us now. But healing isn't for us today. You know, you get to get sick, and God just gives you grace to be sick, and He's, trying, and he's really trying to teach you something, and, uh, you know, and He's just doing that. But we got it good because when we die, we get to go to heaven and be in heaven forever. Which is not right either. Right? But you understand that people... Why? Because they're going to take their personal experience and say, I know the Word of the King says this. I know there's a royal decree that says that when Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus took stripes on His back, that healing was purchased for me. I know there's a decree, but you know what? There's been a royal decree, but you know what? Maybe the King's changed His mind because you know the King works in mysterious ways. And so... We take our personal experience and we give that priority over the royal decree that the king has said. And then guess what? You're never going to get it. You know, you, a person that does that will never get it. Amen? Turn, was it, turn to Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 2. I alluded to this. And I'm, I'm going to give you some scripture here. Because... 
Do you know that to some people the Word of God is useless? To some people the Word of God is useless and the Word of God and the, and the Word of God is, is... Help me, Lord. What's to some people the Word of God is useless and it has no value. Literally has no value to them. I believe it's Hebrews 2, 4. Maybe it's 4, 2. Let me look at 4, 2. Hallelujah. There it is, chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Notice this, that we said this, that, that where the word of the king is, there's power. And, we've come, and, and I believe we can agree that the Bible is the word of the king. Okay? You understand this? I, I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. Let me just hold your place right there in Hebrews chapter 4 real quick. You understand, it's been said, you know, that the Bible is our constitution in the kingdom. That, that, that that's our constitution. Well, I'd like to submit to you a little twi- different twist on that is that the Bible is, our, is the Magna Carta. Because you understand the Constitution, when we think of a Constitution, we're thinking about, you know, we associate that with, you know, a Constitution is uh, from our democratic republic that we live in. How many of you you'd know your history uh, back in England, you know, maybe the 14th, 15th century, I can't remember exactly, but there was a document called the Magna Carta, and it literally meant the Great Charter. And what it was, was it was that kings had begun to, to abuse and take advantage of some of the subjects and some of the lords of their territory. And so what happened was, I can't even remember the king's name, but one of the kings of England, he came together and he, and he got together with the lords of, of his kingdom that were under him. And he said, you know what, we're going to have this thing, we're going to have this thing, it's a Magna Carta. And what, it's going to do, and what the Magna Carta did was it outlined the rights and privileges of the subjects but it also outlined their obligations. It, it put it down on paper. This is what, as a, as, as a subject to the king, what our responsibility, what our privileges and prerogatives are as subjects under his rule, but this is also what our obligations are. So if we understand that the Bible is our Magna Carta. The Bible is what allows us to know what, what are the benefits, what are the prerogatives of us as because you understand if you are born again, if you are in the kingdom, you are a king and you are a lord upon the earth. Jesus, well, does the Bible say that Jesus is the king of kings and he's the lord of lords? He's not talking about secular, he's not talking about unborn again uh, heathens. You understand? Because you understand, if you have dominion, you have a domain and dominion is rule, is rule over a domain and that qualifies you to be a king and God's original intent was for man to have dominion or have a domain upon the earth. Okay? But you understand this, that we are, that He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords and that's talking about us. So God's, God's Word, amen, the, we need to familiarize ourselves with it. But this is the thing, Hebrews chapter 4. Talked about how some people, to some people, the word of the king. Now keep this in mind, and we're, we're going to wrap this up here quickly for this evening. Praise God. We teach on this for a good while. Amen. Where the word of the king is, there's power. But I said this only where it's mixed with faith in the case in the case of God. Now understand this, and this is. There are some things that, that, that God, when we say, when God speaks a thing, it's going to come to pass. Okay? 
But you understand, is it going to come to pass in my life? What about you on an individual basis? Okay, because you understand this. I'll give you an example. Some people might say, oh, it sounds like you're double speaking, Pastor. Here's an example. God told the children of Israel, he, he brought them out of Egypt, and He said, I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. You're going to, you're going to enjoy the fruit from vineyards you didn't plant. And so they go there. They get right up on it. They send the spies in. Spies come back and say, oh, it's a good land. Whoo, man, it's good. We even brought back some grapes to show you. Check this out. It took two guys to carry one cluster of grapes on a pole in between them. Man, it's a land. Man, it's, man, it's a fruitful land. It's a, it's a land of plenty. It's a prosperous land. The, the, the ground will bring forth fruit. Oh, but there's giants in the land. Giants in the land. And guess what? And we were in their sight as grasshoppers. And, so, and then here's Caleb and Joshua. We can take it, man. God said we could have it. God said, God said He brought us out of Egypt. He, 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 crushed, he crushed Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. Brought us, out, brought us out of slavery. Brought us into... Fed us quail. Fed us manna. Gave us water out of the rock. Amen. Brought us to this place. God said that we could have it. If he could, if he could destroy Egypt, Egypt was mighty. We can take it. But the other ten that gave an evil report... And why did it call it an evil? You know, the Bible calls it an evil report. Why? Because the report that they brought back was contrary to the word of the king. Because you understand, God brought the people out to be a king to them. Study, study that out. Go back and study that out in Exodus and in, in Exodus and in Numbers. And just go on over into first, and go on over into First Samuel. God called them out not just to be this deity, but to be their king. Amen. Remember in in First Samuel when the people went to Samuel and they said, "Oh, come on now, Samuel. We want a king like the nations around us, so we can be like them." Really? You all get the moron of the universe award for that. You want to be like you? You're living in a land that's plentiful. Your crops are blessed. You all have a covenant with the Most High God. You're blessed. The blessing of Abraham's upon you. The blessing of God's on you. And you want to be like these other po mouth countries that are that are just. They're scraping by. It was, it was ignorant of them to do that. But what did God tell them? He said, same thing. He said, go ahead and do it. They're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me as their K-I-N-G. They are rejecting me as their king. Here's the point. God's, and I'm giving you what I'm doing is I'm giving you an example of God speaking His Word and it's going to come past. God doesn't send over there in Isaiah. We read God does, the king doesn't send his word out. When the king makes a royal decree, it doesn't go out and return to him void, fruitless, non-productive. And this is one of those examples of people saying, well, it didn't come to pass in my life. Because God promised them, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I've promised it to you. It's the word of the king. There's been a decree made. I decreed it to your ancestor, Abraham. Told him that I was going to multiply you all. That you all was going to be in slavery for over 400 years in a land that wasn't your own. And then you was going to come out with great possessions and you were going to come in and you were going to take this land because it's the word of the king. The decree's been made. But guess what? 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it's, talk, it's talking about their, the failures and the wanderings in, in the wilderness in, in chapter 3. It says, Therefore, since the promise of rest remains upon entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So here's the word of the king. The word of the king is, I've given the land to you. Word of the king is, I'm going to go in before you and we're going to, and, I'm, and the enemy will be destroyed. And you're going to have, you're going to be blessed. You're going into a land of milk and honey. You're going to come into a place of blessing. The word of the king was, I'm bringing you into a place of blessing. You understand this. God is a good God. Amen. We need to remember that. God is not out to kill you. If God's out to kill you, you're dead. I still think it's funny what Pastor Cheyenne said one time. Everybody believes that God made you sick. That's, that, is, that is stupid theology. God made me sick. Why are you going to the doctor trying to go against God's will? You think God put that cancer on you and then you're going to go to the cancer unit and you're going to spend all your money and all your time and, and, and have to run your medical bills up trying to get out of the will of God? If you believe that's God's will, just let Him kill you. Right? I mean, let's just follow it out. If you think that it's God's will, God made you sick, why are you spending that money trying to get out of God's will? And I like another thing that Pastor Ryan said, 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 if God made you sick, you're dead. God made you sick, you better just go ahead and buy a cemetery plot because He don't do stuff halfway. And if He makes you sick, you're dying. Okay? But here are these people. The, the, the word of the king was, it's yours. You're going to walk in the place of blessing but it was not mixed with faith. So guess what? Take your little 40-year hiking, hiking expedition out in the wilderness. Does that mountain look familiar? Well, it ought to. This is the 39th year in a row. You've passed it. And they die. What was the word of the king? What, here, and here it is. The word of the king was they were going to go into the promised land. They were going to take possession of it. Well, it didn't work for them. They died in the wilderness. I know that the Bible, yeah, yeah, I know the Bible says healing's for today, but it didn't work for me. Aren't, are they saying the exact same thing? Are they saying the exact same thing? What? I'm basing my, I'm basing the, the validity of the word of the king on the experience. But you understand this, that God is not a man that he should lie. His word was true, and guess what? If they had believed Him, they'd have got it. They'd have got what He promised. Guess what happened though? Remember, God, Isaiah, what we read out of Isaiah, God doesn't send forth His Word and it returned to Him void, but it accomplishes that which He sends it out to do. The Word of the King was, the inhabitants of Abraham are going to take this land. Well, guess what? After that 40-year little hiking expedition and that whole generation, hey, you understand, everybody that was over age 20 died. You know something else? I was reading that last week, and this was something else that I just got a hold of. Never had saw this before. Maybe some of y'all, maybe some of you Bible scholars have got this before. What is 21 plus 40? Okay, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You've got to be able to do some math, right? 61. Do you realize, what, what had God promised to people? He he'd promised them, I'll bless you with long life and satisfy you. Remember all the promises of God bless you with long life? You realize that there were people that were dying in the wilderness and they were 61 years old. Had you ever thought about that before? 
They wandered for 40 years. Everybody over 20, until everybody over age 20 and older had died. So that means if someone was 21 years old, that the time they wandered those 40 years and they dropped dead. If I'm wrong, maybe you can straighten me out. But if I'm doing my math right, I'm thinking if the Bible says everyone over age 20, they wandered in the wilderness till everyone over age 20 died. That means if you're 21 years old, you took a 40-year hiking and you died young. Because 61 is not old. And that's not the amount of days that the Lord had promised them they could have. That's not with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. That's your days being cut short. 61's young, getting younger every day, ain't it, Brother Clarence? Amen. Glory to God. Amen. But here's the thing. They died. Oh, the Word went out and returned void. No, it didn't. What? Because it took the next generation to come around. God said... My word to you is this was the promised land. I've, declare, I've declared I've, the royal decree has been made to Abraham, my servant, that his descendants will have this land. And you know what? That generation died. Joshua and Caleb said Moses passed away. He passed the, the mantle of leadership to Joshua. And guess what? Joshua and Caleb took him in and they took possession of it. Why? Because the word of the king, the royal decree, the word of the king does not go out and return to him void, but it accomplishes that which he sends it out to. What's your point, Pastor? This is my point. Just because somebody, just because the Word says, my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory, and someone says, well, I know someone, they had to file bankruptcy. So see, that just don't work. You don't know what all went on. You don't know the decisions that maybe the person made that they may have repented of after they did that. You don't know. Maybe someone had a job and a big recession hit. And their company walked in and fired them for no reason whatsoever and put them in a position that they were being good stewards. You don't know. Oh, but God didn't meet all the needs. They, God ain't done with them yet. And you just keep talking that trash, and when you're living under the bridge, under the interstate, God's going to be faithful to them, and they're going to come up. But my point is, you don't say, oh, it didn't work for them. You don't know that. Why? You don't know, oh, see, the Word don't work, and then you start, the Word did work. What I'm saying is, is there would have been an opportunity for people to solve just because that generation, and you understand, that generation, they legitimately, they blew it. But God's Word wasn't going, to be vo- wasn't going to be void. God's Word was not going to go out and return to Him without producing results. My point is, this thing, you may have some setbacks in your life. This thing, you may have had some misfortune that was no fault of your own because guess what? We live in a fallen world. You may have did some stuff that was just legitimately dumb. Repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And then still go ahead and stand on the Word because this is the mistake you make. This is what you don't want to do. You don't want to go, well, I know the Word said He'd supply all my needs according to His riches and glory, but you know what? You know, it just didn't work for me. And you know, my people, we've just always been poor, and I guess I'm just always going to be poor, and I'm just always going to be living hand to mouth and always dependent on the generosity of other people to have to get by. What's the Word of the King say? Is He a liar? Did God say, I'll meet everybody's needs except you? Did God say, I'll meet everybody's needs except somebody from West Virginia? Because everybody knows they're just a bunch of dumb, poor hillbillies anyway and they ain't never going to get ahead. No! This is the thing. The Word of the King doesn't go out and return void. And so don't make the mistake of, of thinking God's a man and He's lied. Because that's what a lot of people think. They won't say that. They don't have the audacity to come out and say, Oh, God, the Word's a lie. But they don't have a problem. And we've all heard people say, Well, I know the Word says that, but... I know the Bible says that, but... No, the Word says that. 
well, you know, brother, that was under another dispensation and we really don't have it. And they can give you a real sophisticated explanation. No, 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 no. What's the Word of the King say? And if the Word of the King has said it, God don't lie, and this is the thing, you can stand on it. And it's better than money in the bank. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a future and a hope, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Because this is the thing. We've got to be doers of the Word, y'all. Right, we have got to, when, when, the, when the royal decree goes out, we have to do it. And this is the thing. If you fall flat on your face and you miss it, and there's a promise in the Word that you're not walking in, you absolutely have to have this as... I mean, you have to have a hold of this belief like a bulldog. God's not a man that He should lie. Now, if the Word said it and I didn't get it, and this is this is where and this is where I'm saying this is what I remember when I gave you that disclaimer earlier. Don't think pastors making an indictment against anybody, because I love you enough to tell you this. Because this is the fact I've had to walk it out, and there's still stuff I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to find out. This is the thing, though. I love you enough to say this: if the word says it, don't start rationalizing why it didn't come to pass. Well, you know, maybe that's not for us today. Maybe that's done away with now. No, no, no. Wait a minute. He's not a man. You go back and you read the rest of that in Numbers. What did we say repent means? I'm going to read that to you real quick. We're going to close this. What did I say repent means? Change your mind. Numbers chapter 23. God is not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. What's repent mean? Change your mind. In other words, you understand this. God's got His stuff together. God's not a man that he should lie, and I'm not the son of man that I should have to repent. That I had to change the way I think. In other words, y'all a bunch of son of men. And you've got to repent. You've got to change the way you think. But God's saying, I'm not the son of a man that I've got to change my mind. My mind, for you, my mind and my intention for you is blessing. And it's not going to change. And this is the thing. If the Word of God says, my thoughts are to bless you and to do good to you, I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm the healer, I'm the Lord God, your provider, I'm the Lord God, your righteous, I'm the Lord God, your peace, and you're not getting some of it, this is where you've got to come from. You've got to make the decision. Do I say A? Well, that's just not for us for today. B? Oh, well, you know, God just doesn't do it anymore. Or do I say, okay, God, you're not a man that you should lie, you're not the son of a man that you should change your mind. This is what you promised in your word. I don't got it. Obviously, I need to tweak some stuff. Now, you need to show me. Do I just need to keep on standing? Because, you know, sometimes it doesn't mean that you're missing it someplace. Sometimes you just got to keep standing. Abraham had to wait 25 years to get a baby. Abraham's seed had to wait 430-some years to get out of slavery. Okay? You understand this? Sometimes it might just be... Haven't done all to stand, stand, baby. Haven't done all to stand, stand. This is the thing, though. Sometimes it might be, do I need to tweak it? God, God, you've said it in your word. You're not a liar. What do I need to do? Is there something I need to do to change to get myself into where your, your word's working in my life? Because this is why. Because I'm going to tell you what. If I'm doing something wrong, you know, was like the joke, someone goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, you know, I don't know what it is, but every time, you know, every time I put my hand behind my head, my shoulder just kills me. Can you tell me what to do? He said, yeah, don't put your hand behind your head. Amen. Amen? What I'm saying is, you understand that if we're doing something wrong, 
Now, I'm the type of person, if I'm doing something wrong, man, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. God, get, you know, Lord, you said if any man likes wisdom, let him ask God who gives them in liberally. This is the thing. If the kings decreed it, then don't you dare let your circumstances change your mind of what the, what the word of the king's been said. If God said, I know my plans for you to prosper you, don't you, don't you buy into the lie of the devil. It's going to be hand to mouth all your life. Don't you believe that junk. Don't you believe that junk? Oh, well, you know, you've struggled with that sickness in your body for years, and you know what? You just might as well just accept it. You, it's just, you know, it, you're going to die with it. What's the Word of the King says? The Word of the King says, by His stripes I'm healed. And so if I'm missing it someplace, God give me wisdom. God give me revelation. God, how do I do it? Because the Word of the King, the royal decree, doesn't change. You're bound by your Word. If you've promised it, that it's available to us, then if I meet the condition, because this is the thing, I'm going to say this, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to stop. Is you understand this, is that when we say, people will say, well, now it sounds to me like you're trying to earn something. You understand that you are saved by grace through faith, and not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? But you understand obtaining the promises of God requires obedience. Oh, can you give me a word on that, Pastor? Sure can. We've been talking about the children of Israel this evening. You understand they were God's covenant people. They had a covenant with Him. They were Abraham's seed. They were circumcised. They were observing His law. But you understand this? That even though they were in covenant with God, even though they were the covenant people, and they come right up you know, to sending the spies out across to check out the land. They were just as much God's covenant people, but guess what? They died God's covenant people. Why? Because they weren't obedient to the word of the king. And so when we say this, don't think the pastor's saying, oh, you've got to get you, you're doing works to get your salvation. Don't let anybody say, no, 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 no. You're willing and obedient. You need to go to the land. Now, you can be unwilling and you can be disobedient and you can still be in covenant with God and you can still be a son of God, but you're not going to eat the good of the land. Why? Because if we're going to walk in those things, we need to be doers of the Word. We need to be doing what the, when the king puts forth the decree, we need to make sure that we are living in such a way that we're able to obtain those promises. And like I said, don't think this is a beat-up sermon. Because guess what? We've all, we've all done it. We're probably going to do it till the day we die. And aren't you glad that God's merciful? Because you understand, that's His desire. And God's not up in heaven looking at you going, Oh, you're so stupid. You, oh, you, you are just hopelessly dumb. When are you ever going to get a, a clue? Now, some people he might be, but not none of you, right? Amen? Amen? <laughs> Amen? You understand, it's, it's the Father's pleasure to give you good things. Amen? Amen. The, 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 decree, the, the royal decree, it cannot be changed. God's not a man that he should lie. His promises to you are for blessing and for a hope and a future. Amen? Let's pray.